Great Expectations is part of the Earth 2 network of podcasts. Merry Xmas, everybody. This is episode 55 of the Great Expectations Podcast, and this is Jerry. And this is Sean. And we welcome you back. Sean, it's been a while. It has. Two whole weeks since our last episode, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we've got a lot to cover in the last two weeks since we talked. Um, meanwhile, we are under your Christmas tree recording, and uh, I'm all in the mood for Christmas. I'm excited. It is. It is exciting. Tell me how excited you are. Super Jazz. It's the third annual GX Pod Christmas Spectacular. We have hot chocolate. We have fudge. We have wreath cookies. We have X-Men to talk about. What more could you ask for, right? That is true. You know, I was uh, driving over here, and I couldn't believe that it's been a year since the last time we did this. You know, that was probably that episode last year was probably the most fun I've ever had with my clothes on. Oh wait, I didn't have my clothes on. Not for all of it. Not for all of it. Uh, weird. I completely forgot about that. Um, I don't know what else. Okay, I'll see you next. It's been year. it's been a weird year. <laughs> it's been a crazy year been a crazy year. I'm kind of glad it's almost over. Yeah. I'm ready to start fresh. Yeah. Well, that's good. I know. We haven't sat down like this in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I feel like I should cry. If it's going to be an episode, I probably should. You probably, I'll get you to cry. <laughs> so clearly, it's obviously everyone knows that it's been some time since you and I have gotten together to discuss the X-Men. But the Christmas specials were always very near and dear to our hearts. Yes. So uh, we wanted to get together and... Oh, you're probably like... Oh, that wasn't even bad. No? Mm-mm. That's good. Alright, so we wanted to get together and basically do a... We liked the Christmas episode so much that we thought it would be a fun gift to everyone who's stuck with us uh, since our last episode. Yeah. Ten months ago. <laughs> uh, as like a thank you for sticking around and still talking to us on like the Facebook group and stuff that Jerry and I would get together and record a Christmas special. Yeah. We'll see how special it is. I don't know, but... Probably it's... not going to be that special. Uh, I got a lot to talk about, though. That's good. Buckle this, up, everyone. This summer and fall, October was the year that broke Sean's love of the 90s. Oh, yeah. Say it ain't it's so. Been rough. It swung around again. Oh. Yeah. Your heart is mending? Um, you know, something. we'll go through the timeline. Okay, okay. I'm glad that we get to get it out of the way in one episode. Yeah. <laughs> 
As I was, as like right when I got there, like I was like, you know what the problem is? Like I knew in my heart of hearts, I knew that the second we got done with the stuff that you loved, you'd be like, I'm packing up shop, Sean. You can keep doing this shit, but fuck this '90s stuff. So I'd be going through all that stuff, and then you'd yank the rug out from underneath me. So uh, this was coming no matter what, kids. Right. right. And then when I got there, I was like. I miss the podcast so much, but I was glad that we weren't talking as much because I would have had to have eaten so much shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think I've been pretty nice about it. Fucking bone claws. Like, I feel like... bone claws. Like, when it comes down to the 90s, like, I feel like one of those kids... Who's like tweeting during the, the Grammys? Like, who's C- Paul McCartney? <laughs> <laughs> because I was just like, oh my god, I've been running around defending this shit. Yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Everything that I was nostalgic for, and we'll get more into it. I was still nostalgic for, but mm-hmm. the 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 group that abandoned ship. To form image. Holy shit. I'm specifically talking about one Rob Lefeld, specifically. <laughs> that almost broke me, man. <laughs> but the second that he was gone, mm-hmm. the book turned right around. Like, I could... I hated... Hated Cable. Like, I was getting to that point, and I was like... I, New Mutants had taken a dip, mm-hmm. which really bummed me out. Mm-hmm. It It... Right at the very end, like when it tied into Inferno, it had a really sweet magic arc, which tied up yeah. a bunch of stuff and actually like answered one of the questions that you were like, why didn't they do that? And they you just the, grabbing her. This stuff. Oh, okay. When she was a kid, you know, uh-huh. and wiping out Dark Child. So all that was like great. And then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm going to start to get into the stuff from when I was a kid and I'll have that like nostalgic vibe. And I was like really excited for it. And then I got to it and I was like, I'm still nostalgic for this, but now I can see every glaring, like, obnoxious, disproportioned nonsense. And with you always telling me insider business, (laughs) now I'm like, these damn whippersnapper kids coming in here, pushing the old guard out that had such tight knit. Oh my god. I'm jumping all over the place. We should probably back up. All right. When I got to the Mutant Massacre. Yes. I know that on episode five of the Great Expectations podcast with special guest Chris Yost, Mm -hmm. when we discussed the Mutant Massacre with him, I was of the camp of, I read this after it was gone, so I already done, so Mm -hmm. I had no real attachment to anything Thought it was interesting, but it definitely wasn't like the crossover that I would have chosen, you know? Mm-hmm. I get it now. Like, after reading New Mutants, and you see how, like, the Morlocks were, like, fleshed-out characters that you spent time with. That Claremont and everyone else, like, gave time to. They were another group that was constantly in the background around. There were... 
pages given to him, you know, interludes, stuff like that, that kind of always kept you connected throughout. The, the, the cast was huge, but it always felt tight. Yeah. When it was that group, you know? Mm-hmm. So then, <clears throat> reading everything, like, I can't... I feel like I watched, like, like, looking back on my youth, reading the books, the way that I did. Like, I felt like I was, like, you would if you were watching some great television show where you were able to miss a few episodes. Like, I didn't catch an X-Factor issue here. I didn't catch a New Mutants. I didn't read any New Mutants. But I didn't feel like I was missing anything. Yeah. But now that I went back and read everything, I mean... <laughs> it all mattered. And then, you know, there were times where I'd be like, oh, I wonder what happened to this character. You know, and it's like, no, they were off doing things and they pop in and out. I mean, just like the world building that they did, like that group, the Claremonts and the Simonsons and, you know, mm-hmm. it was awesome. So the mutant massacre like really got to me. Because it was just one of those things where I was like, okay, now, these aren't just, like, nameless, faceless background characters that aren't the heroes. Like, these are characters that I've, you know, grown to care for. Mm-hmm. And seeing, like, there's this great panel that I love, which is, like, the team, like, just fucking decimated. Like, seeing them so, like, the X-Men for so long, like, on the run. You know, they get their ass handed to them by the the Marauders. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the Mutant Massacre didn't tie up with some great big bow. Like, they got the shit kicked out of him. But they got Betsy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, that was it. Like, oh, we got this new person who's proved herself, and we're going to need her because shit's really fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go right into, like, the Australian Outback and the Reavers, and, like, I was just blown away. Like, there's a shot of, like... Wolverine, like, standing on, like, the cliff and the blackbird, like, lifts off from the school, like, one of the last times that they're there. And it gives this sense of, like, it was the first time I ever felt, like, true danger. Yeah. In a comic, where I was just, like, where it wasn't like, oh, I'm sure they'll pull out a win somehow. But it was genuinely, like, I don't think everyone's gonna make it out of this. And, like, the Siege Perilous, like, I didn't understand that when I was a kid. Like, I mean, I got part of it, but seeing, like, they all get these second chances, and you know, oh my god, Peter's story just, like, crushed me. Like, him running into Callisto, and just, it was so good. And then all of a sudden, you just hit this (laughs) fucking 1991 (laughs) wall. You know? Does it feel sudden? It does. It's it's sudden because I never understood the work that was done with Magneto. There were all these years where I would be like, oh man, it would be really cool if I got to see more of the Star Jammers. Well, in New Mutants, they did entire, like, part, half of the New Mutants story was Xavier and Lantra running around with the Star Jammers and, and you know, Miss Marvel is binary. Like, you get to mm-hmm. see all this stuff. There were, like, great issues. It was awesome. You see Magneto as the headmaster? Like, I never got any of that. You know, yeah. so seeing him become, like, try to change. I was telling Ashley the other night, like, I was like, there were aspects of, like, X-Men First Class where I was like, oh, that was a really interesting thing that they did in that movie. And then reading the New Mutants, I was like, oh, that was a lot closer to the comic books than I ever realized, because I just never 
read that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So seeing Magneto suddenly go so bad, like, it, they pulled it together and it eventually made as much sense as it possibly could. Mm-hmm. But it was just such a drastic turn. And you see the team just so quickly go from, like, family to military unit. Mm-hmm. That it was kind of super abrupt, you know? And Cable, when Cable was introduced, it was so... Cliché. Like, I mean, I know that everybody goes to, like, the 90s, like, gritted teeth, pouches, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, like, the personality of the character was such a late 80s, early 90s action hero cliché mm-hmm. that now it becomes super grating. Alright. And watching, like, Sam kind of become that really quickly was kind of gross. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And so a lot of, like, the early X-Force stuff. And there was a lot of, like, we're just... There was almost like a dumping. Like, they were on a ship and they were just pushing off cargo to lighten the load. Like, any... Any side characters that might have been interesting but not necessarily up front. You know, Emmanuel DaCosta mm-hmm. was killed within, like, the first six issues of X-Force, you know? And it was just for no reason other than to make, like, Gideon or Strife or someone look like a badass. You know, it was a lot of that. Did he, Gideon moved in as his father figure, right? Bobby's yeah. father figure? Was it, did he have to get Emmanuel out of the way to do that? I think it was more just a power play. Okay. Like, not really anything having to do with Bobby. I think, you know, a lot of, unfortunately, like, I, you know, obviously I've covered a lot of ground since we mm-hmm. stopped recording. You didn't stop and savor any of it? Uh, I did. Really think hard about it? I did. <laughs> Those you'd be getting text for and stuff like that yeah. as I was going through it. Um, and poor Ashley. Good Lord. <laughs> that poor girl. <laughs> She's she's sat up more nights while I discussed fucking the integral relationship between Rain Sinclair and Moira McTaggart than any poor woman should have to. Well, I feel like we're bad ambassadors if our own significant others haven't been hooked in yet. Uh, She hasn't started reading it yet, but I let her borrow Paper Girls. Nice. And, uh... Are you digging Paper Girls? I am. We can talk about that, right? Just in passing. Yeah, we can talk about it. I, I Yeah, I really like it. I'm, I'm glad that you pointed me in the direction. I think Paper Girls could have been the next great X-Men team. Yeah. Legitimate, like, put those two on a New Mutants book, and holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And set it in the 80s? I would I would read the shit out of that. Uh, yeah, I would too. But yeah, I'm just that's my like that is the point of my youth that I look back on fondly. Yeah. And that book is set right there. So I'm just it I feel the same way reading that as I do reading old Claremont X Men books. Well so that's high praise. It's fun, man. No, yeah, I really like it. I'm glad that I gave it a shot. I'm you heard it here first, folks. Sean gave an indie book a shot. It made me happy because I, I wasn't sure you were going to like it, oh, yeah. you know, but 
I thought you would. It's one of those things where getting me to like indie books is one thing. Getting me to stick with them is another. Yeah. You know, and this is actually, it's the first one in a long time that I feel like, oh, I'd, I'd probably stick with this. Sweet. Yeah. So yeah, so the nineties took a took a took a turn on me, man. It was a tough time for comms. I mean anything. You insert enough money into a situation and bad decisions start happening. Yeah. You know? Well, I think the thing that stuck out to me was like the stuff that I enjoyed that was like really good was still really good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quite the height of like our the the time period that you got me really pumped for during the eighties, you know, in the yeah. late seventies. You know, I mean like the stuff that you grew up with. It never quite reached that. But once they kind of like like once they kind of cleaned house and everybody else, like the Lovedells and the CZAs came in and kind of found their footing which I think was right around the time of Executioner's song, mm-hmm. I actually thought that it started to get really good. And that was probably, growing up, my favorite X-Men crossover. Mm-hmm. And I was really nervous, man. Like, I really put that one off. Like, there was a lot of nights where I was like, all right, I'm going to start it, and then I'd be like, well, I'm going to go on a bike ride instead because I really <laughs> don't want to ruin this for me. <laughs> so one night I dove in, and I was like, you know what? This is actually really good. And, and having read all of X Factor and understanding Madeline Pryor and made it so much more interesting. Yeah. And that was right around the time period where like, I think they pulled cable out of the, um, the Terminator, you know, and really moved him into like a father figure role for Cannonball uh-huh. because he felt when they took the time to flesh them out as characters instead of just making them like, oh, we're going to go and punch these guys, and then we're going to go and punch these guys. But when there were a couple issues that were like, this slows it down, mm-hmm. it really got interesting because, you know, they explain, you know, Cannonball explains that his reason for going with Cable and going against Xavier was because Xavier, he felt Xavier abandoned him and the New Mutants. And left them with Magneto, which is when everything got fucked and Doug died. Yeah. And so having read all that, like, then I could go, I could see where Sam, being a 16, 17-year-old kid, would think that. And it suddenly made more sense. And Man, I, I'm sad to hear that right now, because that's kind of, okay, you really push forward in your reread. And mine was going along for 10 minutes, probably. <laughs> But then I just, like, life happened. Yeah. But I'm, that's right where I am right now. Like, Professor X just got stabbed and beat up in the street. Oh, God. And, like, he's dying. He's not telling anybody. And he's about to disappear. And, like, I don't think Sam understands. Yeah. No, none of the kids did. And it really affected them and it's really interesting because the point that I'm in right now and just so everybody knows like year wise I am probably in the third quarter like August September of 1994 um a few issues away from the start of the Phalanx Covenant and the origin of Generation X 
Which is interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean... they And, too, like, Executioner's Song is also one of those things where, like, they kind of start to humanize Xavier a lot more than he has been in the past few years. Mm-hmm. And he starts to... Like, he's more open to listening to, say, Sam's point of view, Cable's point of view, you know, Havoc, Wolverine, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth, just because he's starting to realize, like, Magneto's way didn't work, you know. He obviously mind-wiped Magneto, so he's kind of in a vulnerable state. So it's it's, now it's finally back to kind of an interesting place to be. I think the lowest point for me has probably been... Um, like seeing all the uh, self doubt in Nightcrawler mm-hmm. and Excalibur. Oh yeah, there's a lot of him feeling like um a little bit left behind. He was. I know, but I mean, it's stuck around and kind of become like a little bit of a cloud that's hung over the the character. Although I got to admit, Excalibur was the weirdest ride for me where uh-huh. I was like oh this isn't good this isn't but there were actually some really good arcs there was like a fun arc um where like Kitty got taken to a all girls boarding school mm-hmm. and it was just interesting to see her like in that setting because there were like girls that were like mean to her <laughs> and so it was her trying not to like go you know phasing ninja badass on them <laughs> you know Kitty's not going to take that shit and, like, they did this cross-time caper story, which was, like, yeah. all these alternate realities, which the letter pages for those issues were hilarious, because it went on for, like, 25 issues, <laughs> to the point where on the covers, like, Claremont and Davis were, like, making jokes about it, where they were, like, still not over yet, like, <laughs> there was, like, a whole alternate reality where, um... All of the X-Men and Excalibur members were Nazis. Which, like, the Baron was texting me all the time while I was reading that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see if it had turned you yet? Well, I sent him a picture of Nazi Captain Britain, and he was like, as it should be. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally. Naturally. Um, And reading the Excalibur stuff, like... I know that when we did the, um, when we did the Days of Future Past movie episode with Don Farpinas, he, uh, you brought up Rachel and being so disappointed. Yeah. That she wasn't an integral part in the movie or even in the movie. And I remember it's my one regret from the podcast is that I didn't stick up for you in that regard. I kind of jumped on you. And I agree with you. And I didn't understand how much the character meant to you. Mm-hmm. because I didn't know her growing up, so she didn't mean as much to me. But going back and seeing her journey, mm-hmm. fuck, I love that character. Aww. I was, awesome. I don't think there's a character in the X-Men universe that I don't care about a thousand times more than I did before we started this, mm-hmm. except for Jubilee. <laughs> What the fuck? Uh, I wish I could tell you. I don't know. I 
Dude, two years worth of comics of me just staring at... The, she'd say something, and I would just put the comic down, and I'd just go, shut the fuck up, Jubilee. So, I was reading this X-Men Unlimited issue, like, huh. two weeks ago. And Xavier, they were in, like, Shi'ar space. There was something going on with Alondra. And, like, Jubilee was, like, copping some fucking teenage attitude to some Shi'ar royal family member. And Xavier's just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> know your place. Yeah. yeah. And so, finally, now... She's gotten to the point where, like, some shit's happened. And she's like, I think I'm out of my league. And so I know it's leading up to her leaving to go to the Massachusetts Academy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to see that. Because I think I'll like the character much more from this point on. Mm-hmm. But her and Boomer, man. Yeah. Boomer's getting better. And I know that come, like, the Adam Polina X-Force issues, when she's dealing with Sabretooth and they're all in the mansion, mm-hmm. like, I, I really gonna, I'm, I'm gonna enjoy those probably much more. Um, yeah, I'm, I, you know, she's a character I can't remember what my impression of her was as a kid, but I think I thought Boom Boom was pretty annoying. Yeah. You know? I mean, when she shows up, like, in the... Highly underrated Fallen Angels miniseries. Sarcasm alert. <laughs> yeah. I know I was in the shops on Wednesday and Pavel, like, um, a friend of ours named Sean, who also listens to the podcast, we were talking about, I, I we were talking about a bunch of stuff, but Secret Wars 2 got brought up. Mm-hmm. And I think he said he owns, like, the Omnibus or something can't remember. Wow. But I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, Did they ever release that box set, the Secret Wars box set thing that I was like $500, 500 or something? Probably, but I hope no one bought it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, Pavel was like, I think I'm going to get Secret Wars too and give it a shot. I mean, I hear it's really bad. And I'm just like, don't. Just don't. If I could go back in time and not read it, I would. <laughs> but I made a promise to the listeners that I would finish this reread. And well, bi-weekly think... episodes or not, I'm going to. Look at this, Jerry. Well, he's got spreadsheets and checklists. Look at it. And plastic sleeves. This is all stuff you've made it through? Yeah. I mean, like... God. This was the start of the podcast, my friend. Nope. Sorry. Here. You're looking at it, buddy. Look at all that. That's a lot. You've read a lot. Look at all I have to go through. Mm. I have a dilemma that I need your help with. And I might need the listener's help with, too. So, uh, I'm a man of tradition. Alright? Mm-hmm. And every year, around Christmas time, I reread the Dark Phoenix Saga. It's been touched on in Christmas episodes past. This year, I have got that, see that little short box right there? I got about half of a short box. Mm-hmm. At the end of that half of the short box, that is my to read, that's in the order of the episode, of the reread. Mm-hmm. Okay? At the end of that is Legion Quest, which is what leads into 
the Age of Apocalypse. Right. So when I hit the back of that, I'm at Age of Apocalypse. When I was a kid and got into comic books, the first Christmas that I was really into it was when Legion Quest was coming out. Right. And the thing that I read during the winter months when it was all bleak and dreary and gray and sad here was Age of Apocalypse. So, if I stay on track, I can get to Legion Quest by Christmas, I think. I've got what? Two and a half weeks? Yes. Two weeks and a couple days? Yeah. i got to get through all those comics. So, here's my dilemma. Do I set aside Dark Phoenix Saga one year to redo that one so that I'm on track the correct way? Because hmm. if I do that, it also puts all the comic books that came out in the spring and the summer, like, I would be reading them. Right. So it really kicked the nostalgia beak into high gear. So do I, do I pass on the Dark Phoenix Saga tradition? Or do I quit my job and do both? <laughs> Well, I know that your instincts are telling you to do that, but I don't want you to quit your job. <laughs> you wouldn't let me live in the basement? Uh, well, you're down there half the time anyway, so might as well. That is, Finn leaves a window unlocked. <laughs> He's a good kid that way. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know how to answer this for you. For me, I would just read whatever my heart told me I wanted to read at that moment. That's true. And work it out later. But you like you put more of an emphasis on I do on tradition and nostalgia and like you're gonna twenty years from now you're gonna remember this is the Christmas where you had to make a decision right <laughs> so I don't know this what to is a, this is a fork in the road man yeah I don't know I think I could probably do both you could do both. So, uh, let's see. There was a comic that broke my heart. The, uh, from the 90s or a new one? From 90s. Oh, well, there are plenty of comics from now that are breaking my heart. And we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, obviously, in the reread, we're talking everything. I've made a spreadsheet a long time ago. Jerry has a copy of it. It's got everything in the order that it's supposed to be read in. And I hit a New Warriors issue that I needed to read. Hmm. And it involved some people discovering... Like, I think... Well, okay. I should back up a little bit. When I first started reading comic books, one of the first stories that I ever read was the coming of Bishop. Like, the first appearance of Bishop, Trevor Fitzroy, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, Trevor Fitzroy is trying to open some portals to his time and pull some bad people through. So he decides... Fudge, by the way. Fudge it up. Mm-hmm. Now, Fitzroy uses some characters... Because he has to drain life energy to open these. Is the fudge not good, Jerry? You've got a terrible look on your face. No, it's good. I'm trying to... I was like, oh, God, is the mic picking up my chair? <laughs> so he's draining the life force. Now, when he did this, when I first read the comic book, it was just a bunch of purple-clad characters with weird names that I had no idea who they were. So they didn't matter a fucking thing to me. Right. 
I want to murder Trevor Fitzroy. <laughs> what? And, and Wilce Portacio, since it appeared. I believe it was one of his scripts. Hmm. It was when Marvel came up with the brilliant idea of let's let the artist do everything. Mm-hmm. That was not a good time. Not a good time. In my reread experience, not a good time. Fucking killed all of the Hellions. Yeah. For nothing. So we could get a couple, like, who are those fucking dickheads, the three idiots on G.I. Joe? The Dreadnoughts? Yes. So we could get a bunch <laughs> of fucking Dreadnought knockoffs. Hmm. Pulled through a portal so that Bishop could shoot him in the face and look badass. It was stupid. So who... Tarot's dead. Who are the... Yeah, I was going to ask who were the... I don't remember. Basically everyone. Empath and Tarot were on there though, right? Empath was not. Empath was not. I'm going to get to Empath. Empath made it. Because Tarot's a piece of shit. She deserved it. There was a part of me that was like that, but just to see it, I don't know. Because you know me, I mean, I would have killed Empath and Mirage right away. Yes. (laughs) No, not Mirage. Uh, Oh, you mean uh, Karma. Yeah, Karma. Mm -hmm. I knew what you meant. Thank you. But uh, maybe the listeners did. I don't want to get called out on my non-existent Twitter. <laughs> it's been a good year. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's my problem. Um, Dude, I was fucking heartbroken. For nothing. Nothing, right? And this was a story I loved as a kid. But here's where it gets really fucked, Jerry. I now sympathize with the Unsympathizable. <laughs> is that even a word? It is now. Hashtag. I don't know what happened, but I felt really bad for Emma Frost. That old bitch. It's coming. D- Dude. She's Crazy. in a coma. She's locked up in the school. Mm-hmm. All the kids are dead. And the great thing is, the thing that I missed, because like all of a sudden, the Massachusetts Academy came out of nowhere when I was reading the books originally. Mm-hmm. But now, like last night, while Ashley was making the Christmas cookies, I was reading the Deadpool, Mark Wade, Ian Churchill, four-issue miniseries, and Sean Cassidy is in it. And... There's been this whole, like, I didn't realize how much Sean Cassidy was, like, in the background of the books for these years. Mm -hmm. And how he's in the background with Xavier putting together the Massachusetts Academy while this is going on. But it was always happening. It was happening in books that I wasn't reading on a weekly basis. It, It almost sounds like, from the outside, it almost sounds like they had a plan leading up to Generation X. They did. I never realized that they did, but I mean, it was, and I mean, I, obviously they had a plan, but I mean, I didn't realize they had a plan that, that, that was that far out. Or that this, not necessarily that they had a plan, but that the seeds were planted so long ago. And, and, and through all this, like, you now see how much Emma truly cared, I don't know, cause, some of those Claremont issues, she really used those kids for heinous things, and I don't want to get balled out by Alan for <laughs> sticking up for Emma. Oh, bitch! 
Yeah. But it was really... She did. It was... I know that she had... But the, it, honestly, though, the, the kids had no idea they were being used. Like, right. They really liked her. It, it just, like, Firestar... Yeah. ...really loved her. Um, Cat's Eye liked her. Yeah. I mean, the, all the characters where you're like, you're a good person on a really... In a bad situation, you need to get out of there. None of them ever wanted to leave when they were given opportunities to leave they wanted to be there because they liked her yeah so it's she's just, doing it, something right i don't want to necessarily say that i personally sympathize with her but she seems more sympathetic now and i will tell you this this makes me more willing to like relax unclench and allow <laughs> um myself to receive the love that is emma frost no Enjoy Morrison's new X-Men from a different perspective. Hmm. Because I won't view Emma as that cheating fucking... Oh, ho! I was going to say the C word, Jerry. You're going to have to bleep some stuff out. Whoa. I just... I was not prepared to, like... like, No edits! (laughs) Yeah, no edits! (laughs) Um, I hated her in new X-Men because I didn't like Gene Scott getting broken up. Yeah. Like, I, but now I'm kind of like, okay, like, I'll go in it open-minded, mm-hmm. and perhaps seeing her grow in Generation X will make me more willing to understand her motives as an X-Men. Seeing how much she, in retrospect, now that she knows that they're gone, cared for the Hellions, it'll make me understand, you know, her relationship with the Generation X kids more. Because I was always, basically, when I read Generation X, like, I was waiting for her to do something. Mm-hmm. Same thing with New X-Men. Like, I was always like, you fucking, you, you know, I'm always in the back of my head, I'm like, you had him in cages in European briefs, you tried to kill Kitty, like, I hate you, yeah. you know, but now I'm trying to, like, okay, can she be redeemed? It's making it more interesting for me. Yeah. So there's stuff that I was, like, against that I'm now a little bit more excited for. But back to the comic that broke my heart. So in there... Um, it's New Warriors. Yeah. The um, the surviving Hellions who are, you know, members of X-Force, which would have been Warpath. Mm-hmm. He was there, and I... And I I want to say maybe, like, anybody who would have um, known Magma. So, like, Sam would have been there. You know what I'm saying? They all traveled to uh, Nova Roma mm-hmm. to visit Magma because she was there with Empath. Right. They were, like, now in a relationship. We've had this discussion. Yes. I know what's coming. Okay. I wasn't sure where you were going, but now I remember. So they get to Nova Roma, and everyone is clearly empathed. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's clearly being mind-fucked. Uh-huh. So our heroes decide, we can't let this stand. we got to take empath down. So, as they do, a battle ensues, and empaths power is lifted and it's revealed that so we should mention if anybody's listening that doesn't have an x-men background nova roma is where they found one of the new mutants magma and it's like an ancient roman culture that hasn't changed in time it's still they're still 
like zero BC Romans. Yes, it's <laughs> zero awesome. BC. Is that? <laughs> it I is don't know now. what the fuck. <laughs> it's unsympathizable. Yes, it is. So, so as as far as we knew, that's what they were, and they were just in the middle of the Amazon. Somewhere. Yeah, and you know what? It's comics, and it was awesome. Yeah, and I believe it was Fabian Cizier. CZA. I don't know how you say it. That sounds right. He might have wrote this issue. I feel bad if he didn't, but he's getting the blame for it right now. I apologize, sir, if I'm wrong. Um, Came up with the idea that Nova Roma was entirely a spell cast by Selene. Mm -hmm. And that these were all people who had no idea that they were there that were just under her spell. Mm -hmm. And it was a place where she wanted to rule... And so, Empath tried to keep it alive because it was all those people knew. And so even in that moment, like, as bad as I felt, like, it was one of those, I hated Empath. Uh But then I was like, I could also, I understood for what selfish reasons he was doing what he did. Mm -hmm. But that was one of those issues where I was like, I wish I'd never read this. Huh. Because of the way it made you feel about him, or because of the change to the because of the change to the the Marvel universe. Like I liked Nova Rome. Like Nova Roma to me was just another Savage Land, like another cool play. I don't, you know, yeah. So I so I didn't like it. So in my particular uh, head canon, that never happened. Okay. Head canon. so, I, yeah, I'm still torn on that one. I, like we talked about that, yeah, because it, it, it changed Magma's name. Like I don't even remember oh, what right. her like, new name is. But she, she was like a totally different person. Yeah, I'm not in love with that. Yeah, but I think it's a it's a really interesting twist on a story that you probably never saw coming. Yeah, no, I. Definitely, but your brain is always looking for that explanation. Like, how the hell? How does this happen? And now you have an explanation. That seems to fit really well. I don't know. I guess I think it's it's a creative and interesting twist. Yeah. And I I guess I'm happy either way. I don't like the change to magma, but I give them points for creativity. I don't know. I hate it because you hate it. Thank you. Yeah. That's all I'm looking for. Yeah. I'm trying to think. There's some other things that I really, really enjoyed. Um, in Excalibur, um, the Weird Happenings organization, Who, uh-huh. is exactly like Unit from Doctor Who. <laughs> so that was cool. Yeah. And then, um, like, Brigadier Alessandra Stewart. Well, on Doctor Who, there's a Brigadier Alistair Stewart. Mm-hmm. Or something. Something Brigadier Stewart. And then in, like, that Alistair student had a brother or sister, like, so there were quite a few, and that one actually looked like one of the doctors even back then. Oh, so wow. it was like there were a lot of, there were actually a lot of Doctor Who references in Excalibur. Was this when Claremont was still writing it or was Alan Davis writing it? It was both. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, Claremont, Claremont's just famous for ste- yeah. blatantly stealing from other Canada. I don't know. But this, where where but do you the, come down on that? But, like, you dig it, right? Or, yeah, or do you not like I, that he does that? I dig it because he does it well. Yeah. Because the same thing could be said, like, 
what Claremont did, you know, with, I mean, you know, I take one look at the brood and it's like alien, you yeah. know, days of future past, uh, you know, but then having, I could, I could make a comment where I'd be like, Oh, it's just him ripping something off. But bro, cable. I mean, that's it done poorly. Uh huh. At least Claremont had the decency to make the stories interesting, you know? Yeah. I feel a little sad whenever you rip Cable because of my affection for Louise Simonson. But that's okay. I don't think that that (laughs) aspect of the character was necessarily her. Like, it's it just doesn't... Did I... I showed you Walt Simonson's recent post about that whole thing, right? Like, he... Dude was legitimately pissed at the lack yeah. of recognition she got for her contribution. Dude, I'm still, but, every time that fucking Liefeld posts something, because the Deadpool movie's coming out, uh-huh. and he doesn't, like, every time Fabian Cizier does, he credits Liefeld. Really? As, like, they're the creators. He even gives props to other people that came after them wow. to help him with the character. Liefeld, nothing. And it drives me nuts. Hmm. And, and, and the, the Louise Simonson aspect of Cable is not really the thing that, when he first shows up, when she had any part to do with it, he was kind of like a stern military figure. But I'm talking like when it was solely Liefeld, mm-hmm. it was cliche after cliche after cliche. Yeah. There How was, old was he when he was doing that? I was probably like 19 or 20. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing so wrong young, with it. Man. I get it. Well, I mean, it's legitimately terrible. Legitimately. But, but here's the thing, man. But it was so bad. So bad. And then I think it was X Force issue number five or six. I'm gonna grab it real quick. Um that was like No no no, sorry. It's gotta be later than that. Might be eight. Yes. Yeah. So X-Force number eight, when I got done reading this, I was like, holy shit, that was awesome. And it's got one page of Liefeld art, and then the rest of it is a Cable in the Future adventure with art by Mike Mignola. Oh. And it is awesome. And it's the first place where you see, like, the groundwork laid of what Cable will eventually become. Right. Like, this in one fell swoop, like... You've basically been teased and teased and teased with nothing about who Cable is, and then Magnola comes in, and it's this fucking awesome story. And then Liefeld leaves the book, and Nassizier comes in, and basically, in one issue, Cable, like, obviously they think he's dead after the Executioner's song. Mm-hmm. But then when he comes back, he, like, apologizes to all of X-Force, and is like, sorry for the way that I was, like... Uh, you know, I've got to be better, and there's this new way that we're going to do it, and we're going to be a team and a unit, you know. Mm-hmm. And he kind of drops a little bit of the military. Like, there's still that, but there's a slight softness to it, a little bit more Cyclops. Mm-hmm. Your boy. So I so I enjoyed that. And uh when... You new said th- that was issue 8? X-Force issue 8. Wow, that's pretty early. It is. Surprise. But it was it was good. And then another comic that I really liked was I was having a rough time with New Mutants. But then uh New Mutants eighty one popped up and it was this great like 
they um the new mutants go to the movies and uh oh my god the new mutants what a fucking great book man yeah what a great cast of characters and who would have thought that i would have ever ever loved like doug ramsey as much as i do hmm. his death was sad <laughs> so they go to the movies and like um they're watching this hercules flick and he is basically a dope in the movie and kind of an idiot and it's been it's been months since i've read this issue uh-huh. but basically like everyone's teasing her about how much Hercules sucks and what an idiot is. And she goes and, like, basically prays. Teasing Amara? Yeah. About, you know, oh, my God, one of your gods, like, is this buffoon. Uh-huh. And he, like, Hercules winds up showing up and doing, like, a, a bit of a heroic act, but basically explaining to her that she needs to, like, you know, um... I wish I had reread it. But basically kind of like you need to put just as much faith in yourself as you do in me. And it also kind of made Hercules look at the person he was putting out, you know, uh-huh. and kind of reflecting on who he was as a hero and what he'd been doing with his power and yeah. so on and so forth. And uh I got to the end and I was like, fucking A. Like, what great writing. This feels really like an old classic new mutants tale and i was like i wonder i wonder who the writer is <laughs> and it's chris claremont <laughs> guest writer oh that's sad guest writer that's i know so sad but i was like man i was reading it and i was like this feels like a claremont issue this is awesome and then i was like because it is he's the best yeah the best bar none hands down awesome and it it hurts my heart when I go online and say, see people write that he's not. Yeah. Because find me anything, find me fucking anything that is as good in comics as fucking the Dark Phoenix Saga to the Mutant Massacre. Yeah. Well, you can go further I mean, you back can. than that, too. Yeah, but I mean, even just that chunk alone. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of great story arcs, but you, there aren't many people that have been able to put together a hundred issue runs that are that good. That's the thing, it just never let up. Like, it always made sense, even when I thought it couldn't. Uh huh. You know? I, mean, I was looking through my have stuff. Their criticisms here. and they're legitimate criticisms. Yeah. He's not perfect, but for me, that's what I want out of a comic book. And maybe it's because that's what I grew up reading, so that's my expectation. But that'll always be number one for me. Yeah. What are you gonna say? You- oh, um, no, I was just you know getting ready for today and like going through stuff. I was like, man. Like, I was looking through the Dazzler issues. Forgot how much I loved Dazzler. <laughs> I loved that series. I need to read it. I haven't read it. I think I've read a couple issues. It's, you really liked it. 
I really did. From a nostalgia perspective? No, no, no. I mean, I had no concept of it. I never read it. I liked it because... But I mean for, like, like as a time capsule. Um, you know, to be totally honest, I liked it because Pavel was asking me about that at the shop. He was like, is it really worth it? And I was like, for anybody else, probably not. But I liked the music business side of it. Oh, okay. A lot. Like, there was a part of her, like, career thing that I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was basically like a soap opera. It was silly. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I enjoyed it. Everything so far, other than Fallen Angels and some other, like, later New Mutants things. And, I mean, I've had some rough patches in, like, like I said, some of the early... The early 90s stuff when it got all time travel and yeah. techno speak. Uh-huh. Like, that's, my eyes start to glaze over. You know, I'm having a bit of that issue with like, I'm getting into the flank stuff now and they're popping up and there's just a lot of like, nonsense that's happening. But, the nice thing is, is that I, like how I was telling you that they kind of like swung around and they're pulling out of the, the bad shit. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of callbacks to the Claremont stuff, you know, side yeah. background characters come, you know, Stevie Hunter's popped back up in the book. Uh, the, the, who was the guy that Nimrod was like the human version of? Do you remember that guy? Nimrod was the human version of? Like, like, he was like a dock worker that oh, Nimrod his, like his took his form. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the alias. Well, I was, I was just reading an X-Force story where X-Force figured out that they were starting to build the Nimrods. Oh. And like that character was brought up again. And it was like, you know, it was like a picture of him like on a screen and they were talking about him and the X, like all the stuff that they could find from the X-Men files of that battle, you uh-huh. know? I thought that was really cool. So they've, the they've definitely been doing as much as they can to like draw everything back together. Like uh-huh. I can, I can honestly feel a course correction. Well, that's the interesting thing to Wolverine's me. terrible right now. <laughs> he's got no claws. Well, he's got bone claws. Right. But that's no claws, because bone claws is bullshit. Right. Okay, they're terrible, dude. And he proves that, because he breaks them off, right? When they, get, when they get broken off by Cyber, and they grow back, all twist... Like, they look like curly fries that have come <laughs> on. Uh-huh. Fuck out of here. Yeah. <sighs> Good luck retracting those. Yeah. But I was gonna say I feel like the 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 thing about the X Men is that when it was at its high point, you had the one creative influence that was steady through the whole thing in Chris Claremont. And as soon as you had somebody else writing it, you would get the swing back and forth between guys who are like, I'm gonna make my own mark on this book, like Liefeld, and guys who are like I worship the ground that Chris Claremont walks on and I want to do, I want to link my stuff to his stuff because that is the X-Men. Yes, I would like to pay service to. Right. And you, you still see that. Mm-hmm. You know, in the books that, uh, that I've enjoyed over the years are the books that, that do that, that try to link into what's come before. Um, like Yost's Amazing X-Men was so fun. Yeah. Even though that, that, uh, 
Wendigo stuff went on just forever. <laughs> I, I still loved it. I thought it was really fun. But uh, the Jason Aaron stuff before that, too, uh, was even better. Yeah. Um, I would like more books like that that just try to keep it in that world where, you know, they they have a group of people that they know outside of the mansion and uh and they they bring them in and and include those characters and some of the books just don't work man i don't know yeah i don't know i those are the writers i appreciate more though so yeah. i think labdell probably did a little more of yeah so did the cza and like um x factor's been fun like i actually really enjoyed that i found myself like they they did some kind of crazy stuff with Rain that I didn't like for a while. Uh-huh. That all had to do with her becoming a mutate. Oh, right. And not being... She was, like, mind-linked to Alex. So she was, like... Oh, weird. She was, like, attracted to Alex on, like, a primal level. Like, huh. she couldn't... Almost couldn't help it. Right. Oh, like, um... Uh... They did with Spider-Man and Silk. Yeah. And I just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just didn't like it just because it was Rain... You know? Yeah. And so they finally, like, just a few issues ago, got all that tied up. Just a few issues and 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, I have much. Like, early 100s right? of X Factor. Okay. But it's been interesting to see, Peter like, David was writing it at that point, right? Um, Peter David's initial run on it was a lot shorter than I initially remembered. I think it's Howard Mackey that's writing oh. it now. Yeah, you're right. Um, that's right. But what Peter David did with, I, I never thought that I would genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> You've got a marshmallow. <laughs> no edit! <laughs> that was awesome. Um, strong guy. Like, yeah. I always thought that character was idiotic, mm-hmm. and just, like, a stupid, like, someone came up with that, and I was just like, oh, that's ridiculous. But he pops up in New Mutants, Lila Cheney's bodyguard, that's right. Peter David flushes him out in X-Factor, you start to understand why he's the way that he is. I love that character now. Yeah. I do. Right now? Now he's like a demon or something, isn't he? Is he in hell or he died and he came back and now he's evil. Yeah, I think they cleared that up in the last of David's, not got, the not the better. most recent volume, but I think he put a bow on everything at the end of his run before they rebooted it with all the yellow costumes. I thought they left him in a bad place, but maybe not. They might have. I don't necessarily remember it. I'm trying to enjoy the positive part of it right now. Right. Right. Um. So, there are a couple things that have left me wanting in our discussions i'm a little sad because some of the the highest points for me reading it as a kid and re getting back to it now i was kind of hoping you'd be like wow was that great and you've never mentioned even one of them okay well good let me give you one more because and if this isn't the right one you can stop and we'll come back to it uh-huh. but i know that everyone talked about how much they love demon bear uh-huh. And Demon Bear was awesome. Yes. But the issues directly following Demon Bear, Legion War, when they first introduced Legion. Uh-huh. Probably some of my favorite comics of all time. Sienkiewicz is amazing. 
Yes. And that whole story of Legion and showing the multiple personalities and Sienkiewicz's art style off the charts spectacular. <laughs> um, like, I remember setting those down and I was just like, I don't think I want to read anything else again. Like, this might be it because that's how much fun I thought that story was. And it also hit me because it, it was at a time when, like, in the uh internet rage department, like, everyone was talking about... uh you know, mental health and it being represented properly in yeah. comics. And and here was this fantastic story, you know, dealing with Legion's mind and, you know, the control of the personalities and mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. And it, I mean, it is a fantastic story and like it's fantasy. Um, and I know that Steve Raker like hates that character because, because <sighs> of its depiction of, of schizophrenia. But, yeah. But yeah, it's fun. Um, yesterday, no, Saturday, um, I was at Stegman's house. No name drop. Um, he was on a conference call, like he skypes with a bunch of other artists. Were you giving him a blowy during that? Uh, no, he was in the shower. So, and I was not peeking in. Oh my maybe. God. Uh, but he like he left me on the conference call, and and so I was talking. Riley Rossmo, does that okay. name mean anything to you? Sounds familiar. He did that New Mutants painting for me. Okay. Um, he was like, "You, you think I should buy a Sienkiewicz page?" And I was like, "Yes," but he was looking at pages from that, from that. They're on his website. That's awesome. Um, they're um, but they're thousand. Well, yeah, but I just saw he posted on Facebook that um, he's gonna do he's they he showed the cover of his IDW. Artist edition. I guess they're doing a New Mutants artist edition. What? You you got to check out his Facebook page. I think that's what it was. I haven't seen that. It was like a picture of Warlock, and he was like, "Oh, it's the cover of the artist edition." I don't know. I might have misread it. You should probably double check. I hope. But I hope. So, um, okay. So you, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um. That was not the story that immediately followed Demon Bear, though. There was some good stuff was, in between, <laughs> including my first issues that I still love the best, where Warlock shows up. That's true. The Slumber Party. Oh, yeah, the Slumber Party movie. And Are then, you recording? Yes. Okay. And then the, the issues where um, where Rain and Bobby turn into Cloak and Dagger. Yes. That was awesome. And Rain is so hot. It's true. But, uh... The ones specifically that I was thinking of were, first of all, the post-Mutant Massacre stuff, where, where they started having the miniseries, the um, X-Men and Fantastic Four miniseries. Okay. Did you read it? I did. Okay. Um, and the X-Men vs. Avengers miniseries comes before that. That's like right after the trial of Magneto yeah. in issue 200. Um Really dug both of those because the okay the the X Men Avengers one was like the first Mark Silvestri mm-hmm. X Men stuff. Holy shit! Yeah, it was so sweet, and it was on like the nice paper, and it was like extra pages. It, it felt like a special event, but it was scary because they were fighting the X the Avengers, and that that's never good. Yeah. Um, but then that Fantastic Four 
thing. Like they they go to Reed Richards for help because Kitty's stuck in a phased mode, and she's slowly drifting apart. And Reed Richards is kind of like, I don't think there's anything I can really do. What a dick. He he was a total dick. And um. And so they end up going to Doctor Doom for help, and he helps them. Yeah. And the Fantastic Four are like, you can't get help from Doctor Doom. And they're like, but she's dying. <laughs> and, and they, so they end up scuffling with the Fantastic Four and, uh, like the shit is hitting the fan. And then it's finally Franklin, the future victim of the sentence, yeah. who, uh, this is like his first real insertion into the X-Men timeline, I think. And he kind of, like Kitty decides to commit suicide to, to stop everybody from fighting and he, convinces her to stop. And then they save her. It was awesome. Yeah. I'm not gonna cry. It was awesome. Oh, there's so much good stuff. That's the problem, trying to cram all this stuff into... I mean... So that's one. Okay. The other... Yes. Um... Is the Secret Wars 2 tie-in stuff with the New Mutants, which I think is, like, the high watermark almost for for that run for me because that's uh at least from a character's perspective um the beyonder meets magic and he offers her the world basically i think and she's like nah i'm good and he's like you're going to regret it and and that's i think in secret wars yeah too and later, uh, they're all chilling at the mansion, the New Mutants, and the Beyonder comes to, to collect, and, uh, they, they, they're fighting for their lives, and he just wipes them out. Every single one of them, and like, you watch each one of them die, kind of in a different way, and it, but it kind of shows their, each one, each character's spirit, I guess, the way they go out. And, it was so tragic and felt permanent at the moment reading it for the first time. And I mean, stuff like that happens all the time in comic books now. And of course they get better. <laughs> uh, I think the Beyonder brings them back. Yeah. But then, but they, like, he brings their bodies back, but they're kind of soulless robots almost. And it's so weird and scary, like, are they going to stay like this? What's wrong? I remember thinking that while it was going on. Like, as I was reading it, I was just like, oh, crap. Like, I do not want them to be stuck like this. <laughs> right. So, uh, of course, their dying happens on Magneto's watch. And, you know, he's taken his role as their caretaker very seriously. And he completely <laughs> failed in the ultimate way. Like, they died. Yeah. And so he's, like, crawled into a bottle. And, and when they, he gets them back and he can't fix them, he does the only thing he knows to do and he gives them up to Emma Frost. And they become Hellions. Yeah. And she can't fix them either. And, but they, I mean, they finally start working their way out of it. And just as, as they're getting back to their old selves, the fall of the mutants happens. And, and then, um, they lose Doug. And 
And the same thing is going on in the X-Men. Like, it's just tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. But, um, that's like when shit starts to get bad for both teams. Like, the Mute Massacre time period for the X-Men and then, like, the fallout of Secret Wars 2 with the mutants dying. Um, those are both, for me, just, uh, powerful stories. Yeah. That I really, I did, I can't, I don't know. I, Saying I enjoy them is, feels wrong, but uh, they moved me. I understand. Yeah. I did like both of those. There was a lot that happened in there. Like the, the, It was mm-hmm. weird because the New Mutants took a dip, for sure. But then that and the Inferno stuff really pulled it out. Mm-hmm. That, oh, that New Mutants story had that uh, famous Art Adams cover where they're climbing into their graves. Yeah. That's like the the best cover he's ever done. I mm-hmm. love that cover. There's an homage for it in New X Men. A lot of people have done homages to it. They should. It's good, right? Man. Now, because every time you bring something up, like it reminds me of something else. Where I'm like, oh, and then that happened. Yeah. Like oh, so much stuff. The X Men are a journey. There's no doubt about it. It's it's a a large time investment and a large emotional investment, but it pays back. Pays you back. I don't know. That's all I got. That's all you've got? That's all I got. You want to talk about where they're at now? We can talk about where they're at now. I don't... I don't I, know that I, I have you, much to contribute. Have, no. Because I've kind of stepped away. I know, and I don't want to give any spoilers. I haven't, um, I've, I haven't disliked the post-Secret Wars, like Extraordinary X-Men. Um, I've enjoyed it, but I'm really, uh, standoffish toward, I mean, I've been picking them up, and we're giving everything its fair, sh- at least all the X-Books I've been picking up, giving them their fair shot, mm-hmm. at least, but there hasn't been anything that's like, Absolutely blown me away. I'm happy that I have the reread. I've enjoyed Extraordinary X-Men. There's some interesting things going on in it, but I definitely feel disconnected. A little bit of an outsider. That That's Lemire's book? Yeah. Is that the main book now? Is there a main book? I think so. I think that's the main book right now. I would think so. Uh, does everything have a post-Secret Wars feel to it, or are they still putting that off until they can get... No, it's it's a post-Secret Wars vibe. Okay. Spoilers, I guess. Like, Old Man Logan is going to show up soon. You know, they Mm -hmm. talk about inhuman crap. So the idea is... And the, the place that they're at, like where X-Haven is, like the, the mansion is now in limbo. Oh. Magic. Okay. And everybody's in limbo. I had heard rumors they were going somewhere, but I didn't know where it was. It's yeah. a good place for them. So it's, like I said, I mean, there's been stuff that's been interesting to me, and I haven't been as annoyed with... uh Ramos's art as I thought I would be. Uh-huh. You know, I think I'm three issues into it. 
I read all new X Men the other day. I'm not a big Bagley fan, oh, so that one really doesn't. It's on an X book. Yeah. But it's the kids, so it's got kind of an ultimate spider, but everyone looks like that, and yeah. I'm just not into it. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, that only Wolverine book has been whatever. Hmm. Is it, that's X-23 yeah. as Wolverine now? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. What about Uncanny Avengers? (laughs) I like the last issue, last page reveal. Yes. Did you tell him? Uh, no. That made my pain. Uh, It's too bad. There'll be plenty of opportunities. Yeah, um, he had his original character design for that sitting on his table in his studio. And I just wanted it so bad because it was so cool. You should have swiped it. Yeah. Yeah, I should have. You should have. He's going to sell it for a lot of money, though, I think. Probably. Probably so. He's earned that. Or something. That's why Cable's cool, though, I think, is because he looks cool. Yeah. Not for no other reason. I know. (laughs) That's what you always say about me, too. Yeah. You look cool for no other reason, just because you look cool. And you have that cool cybernetic arm. I do. And the one flashy eye. So, yeah. Yeah. You missed this, didn't you? Totally. I don't think you did. No. No. It's been good. I mean, when we stopped recording, it felt like there was a hole (laughs) in my life uh, for a couple days. And the frustrating thing was just that there wasn't an outlet to talk about the stuff that I That's, was reading. Yeah. But, um, oh my god, the things I could do with all that time. It's like, clearly I've do read, things. I've read ten years of X-Men books. Yeah. But I do miss talking about it. I just, uh, I like being able to read about them more. But it's been nice that everybody's kind of like, kept in touch via the group. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd probably post there most, more if I felt, cause I do this thing, <laughs> I do this thing where I'm like, if I post there, is everybody just gonna be annoyed that we're not doing a show? <laughs> but then at the same time I'm like, I kinda do wanna talk about this. Uh huh. It's at least nice to get everybody's feedback that way. Yeah. I just okay. don't feel like I can always go, uh, as deep into it as I possibly want. Well, it's hard work to type. Words. No, it's more like, I don't know. Can't really always portray the, uh, emotion mm. that's going on. Right. Right. Fair enough. We'll just, we'll cover things on the surface. That'll be good. Who cares? Yeah. We know what's going on on the inside. That's all that matters. So I'm excited to get to the Age of Apocalypse. Would have been cool to do a proper episode about it. Yeah. Instead of the shit show we got stuck with. <laughs> Man, gotta go way back for that one. Yeah. Episode three? Four? It's too early for us to be doing that. Yeah, that was biting off a lot. 
Stegman, which which story in Age of Apocalypse would you like to talk about? I don't know. Let's just talk about all of it. Yeah. Okay. You're going to read you any of it? read it first, right? That's step one. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Effort. He was like, Age of Apocalypse was the one with Spawn, right? <laughs> Didn't Greg Capullo draw that? <sighs> Dick. Dick. Wasn't Roger Cruz stealing Joe Madriera's art? <laughs> Zing. Is that guy still in comics? I, I, I a couple name. years ago he was doing those like first class books. I don't know. I oh. think, I think he might have, I don't know. I, you know. I, I shouldn't pay more attention to that type of stuff. Hey. You should. I or should. Whatever. So yeah, no, I'm excited to get to that. I hope everything kind of it, it's we it's like I'm I can genuinely tell you as I'm chugging chugging along on the reread that I am genuinely excited to read everything either for the first time for the stuff that I've never read mm-hmm. or again with a little bit more uh experienced uh-huh. eyes like. A little bit more forgiving, a little bit less, uh, feet firmly planted, like, you know, almost like a belligerent child, like, yes, I will defend this because I've always been defending it, but now I'm kind of like, well, maybe that wasn't so great. But it makes this stuff that does actually still hold up to me that much better. You know, when I've genuinely enjoyed some of the stories from my childhood still. So give me the list. What... Give me your your uh, your gold medal stories from '90s X-Men. <sighs> Executioner shot song. You said you liked. Yeah, I really liked that. Um, All of it. Yeah. It's weird because I really can't. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's just like plucking stories out. Mm-hmm. That are like the gold standard, but it's the way that they were able to kind of pull it out and and kind of get it back, not necessarily to like where it w- should have been or where it would have been, mm-hmm. but it's also interesting too to see them kind of take some ideas and try some new things. They don't always work, you know, but there have been a lot of like, well, if you like the Sentinels, let's try the Phalanx. And if you like the Hellfire Club, let's try the Upstarts, you know? Mm-hmm. And so some of that stuff's been kind of interesting just to see them like try. But it's been a lot of like character moments that have been the things that have stuck out to me. It's so, you know, seeing Beast kind of step up and take over the school while Charles tries to, like, solve the legacy virus. You know, mm-hmm. seeing Havoc step up as a leader in X-Factor and try, you know, like, a lot of that's been interesting. There were a lot of stories that I read that, like, I didn't think would be fun, you know. Um, I don't know. A lot of the Capullo stuff from X-Force... You know, I like that. Nassizia mm-hmm. was doing some fun stuff with that book once they kind of got out of the 
meringues to teens phase and like <laughs> are trying to be a team, you know, and, uh-huh. and when you can see that everyone, all the teams kind of have their reason and their purpose and their goals and they're all trying to effectively work together. It's pretty cool. Colossus has been still an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> Cause well, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, it was pretty early on that he defected to the Acolytes and actually seeing what he went through to get there. And actually last night I read an issue where um, they put one of the Acolytes on trial because he helped Charles stop Magneto. Mm-hmm. And to see Colossus kind of come to his defense and explain like from his, because like Exodus is now acting as this like all knowing, like basically the voice of Magneto, even though Magneto's, you know, catatonic. And Colossus is like, no, listen, I lived with this man. Like I know who he was and I know the type of person that he, and he wouldn't want you. It was just interesting to see Colossus's viewpoint of why they shouldn't kill this acolyte who betrayed Magneto. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Magneto wouldn't want more death, especially of a mutant, you know, just because they had a different point of view. Right. Um, but to see Colossus fight for that so much. I mean, Colossus went through some shit. I mean, like, he finds Mikhail, they bring Mikhail back from the Russian fucking cosmonaut thing. He winds up hooking up with the Morlocks as some type of death cult and basically kills the rest of them and himself. Hmm. So then the, the Russian government is trying to find more mutants to, like, put through the Omega Red type of, you know, thing, and, uh, they go after thinking that, that they go after the Rasputins, thinking that, like, Ileana is gonna be magic, but she's little Ileana, and they kill his parents, trying to get her. Mm-hmm. And so then Colossus goes ape shit, rescues her, and that's how she winds up at the mansion, like, as a kid, and gets the legacy virus. So then she gets the legacy virus and fucking dies. So in this really short time period, like, Colossus, like, comes back to the fold after going through the Siege Perilous and becoming an artist and living with Callisto. Like, Mikhail, basically, is the one that draws him back. So he finds Mikhail only for him to kill himself. Then his parents die. And so he starts to question everything with Xavier. Mm -hmm. Magneto comes down. He leaves with him. And then Magneto convinces Kitty, like, hey... Like, Magne- like, Xavier's so fucking mad that he lost, and that he's losing, that he, like, lashes out and is basically like, Kitty, tell him that you want to go with him. Get him to come down here, and I'm going to fucking stop him. You know? And so Kitty does this. So now, like, the woman that he's loved forever has now betrayed him once he puts it together. Mm-hmm. And so he fucking takes, you know, Magneto and takes off pissed. At Kitty. And mm-hmm. so now he's eventually kind of coming around. Like, he's up there and he's seeing the way that the Acolytes are. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like, you're all insane and you guys <laughs> don't know who Magneto was or what he stood for. You're all misguided. Right. And so luckily, this is it. Like, he's on the outs and he'll be back with Excalibur soon. Mm-hmm. Where it belongs. But seeing that journey is interesting. 
Like, I can understand why he's the one that lost faith. I'm sad that he did, because I don't think he should have. And I think, you know, his story would have been better had he not had this hiccup. Mm -hmm. But if there was ever a point for him to have a hiccup, that'd be the one. True, true. So, it's been fun. I've missed these talks, but... (laughs) Yeah. So this is it, huh? We're probably winding down, aren't we? I don't know. I'm trying to think of... So we just... There were other things we discussed talking about for the show, and... I'd be damned if I can remember what they are. It happens. I was uh, determined I was not going to prepare for this. That's all right. I, uh... I think I'm 11 issues away from having... Complete. So that's pretty crazy. Eleven tough issues. They're out there if you're willing to spend for them. They are. <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah. I've been buying up as much X-Men merchandise as I possibly can this past year. It shows. This room is nuts. It is good. Gotta get you that um Carl Potts swimsuit poster. It's badass. Change your life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you would take down to put it up, though. We've got so much good stuff in here. I know. I'm running out of room on the shelves. I picked up um, the entire collection. I picked up all the issues out of dollar bins for Mutant X. Oh, wow. Because, I mean, I've seriously gotten so much enjoyment out of just these, like, off-the-wall, like, what happened to that carrot? Like, there's a whole time period where Havoc's missing, mm-hmm. and I have no idea what happened. And here's this 32-issue series that might be total crap. It might be. <laughs> but there's a whole series where he's, like, on an alternate reality, and and I love me some ultimate or alternate realities. And right. speaking of alternate realities, Mullins, former guest... I've gotten a complete run of Ultimate X-Men as well. Ah. And I'm going to read that with him as well. Because he he was like, you like alternate reality X-Men stories so much. Why are you so fucking bullheaded about the Ultimate line? Just like, Mm. I don't know. Well, there's going to be a point where Wolverine is really mean to Cyclops. I know. It's really terrible. I know. Just brace yourself. I know. Not your mama's X-Men, that's for sure. Yeah. And I mean, just to show, like, I bought the entire Emma Frost Ultimate Complete Solo Series Collection. Wow. That's how deep into the reread I'm going. I read last night three issues of Blaze from 1994 (laughs) because Warpath showed up in them. What was he doing there? He was the only Indian character they had around other than Wyatt Wingfoot, who also just <laughs> happened to be hanging out with Proudstar. Because they needed to deal with some type of Indian fucking mysticism bullshit. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Was Michael Too Youngman there? He might have been. He might have been referenced. Canada's too far away. We can't. It was. Get it was pretty bad. There's. That's what I'm saying. There's really great stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And then there will be a couple issues where I'm like, fuck, you really had to tie into this Ghost Rider arc? I really got to read this? <laughs> Assholes. <laughs> yeah, I got Cable coming, some Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, then the Full Length Covenant. Yeah. Oh, there's an Excalibur story called the Soul Sword Trilogy that's coming up. Got no idea what that's about. Never read it before. Super excited. It's got to be good if it's got the Soul Sword in it. Maybe not, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I've hit the point now where there's a lot of, like, miniseries, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I read the Gambit miniseries by Lee Weeks. Still awesome. Love that dude. Yeah. I, that he, he was one, he was the artist on the issue that kind of made me feel bad for Emma Frost. Oh, right. Yeah, it was when, um, she wakes up from the coma after, um, Sabretooth ransacks the mansion. And, uh, and she's like inside Bobby's body. Like her mind is inside Iceman's body. It's when, like, Iceman really, like, goes to town with his powers. Uh huh. So I'm excited from that aspect, too. So she's known that he's been gay all along, then. Oh, I guess so, yeah. Or maybe it's some kind of psychic residue left over from her. Yeah. Or maybe Bendis just, somewhere along the line, lost it. Yeah. I don't even... I Like, it's one of those things where, like, that doesn't even... I, I don't know. Hmm. I just, I hate that that conversation that gets brought up. Like, if I'm like, I don't really like that, I'm like immediately like a bigot. But it's like, <laughs> I don't like it because it doesn't add up in continuity. Right. Opal wept, man. I've seen it. I saw the relationship with Opal. It's one of the things that I fucking loved about the X Factor book was that I got to see a fleshed-out Warren, Hank, and Bobby. And I actually went out and figured out when they joined the champions or the new defenders or uh, whatever. Both. And I bought those series from that point that they were members. Mm-hmm. And, like, when it's cool, I don't know. I just, I really liked seeing when Bobby met Opal, when Hank first met Trish. Like, there's all these little tiny, like, soap opera things Mm-hmm. That I really liked in the books that were the things that probably stick with me more than like, was this a great story arc? It's just the overall piece of just look at this group of wonderful, interesting, beautiful characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sharon Friedlander showing yeah. up every now and again. You know Touching. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like it's just, there's like a lot of really great stuff. Like, um, I've heard, um, Monet St. Crow's father mentioned a few times. She hasn't been yet. Oh, okay. Um, there was, uh, Sam just took, uh, Boomer to the farm. And so you've been getting a lot of page. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> That's Sam Godfrey's move, man. I'm about to take you to the farm. Yeah. Gonna toss you over a bale of hay. (laughs) Terrible. So you see, Paige took it there. It took 
an hour and 32 minutes, but we finally took it there. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it's okay. It's where we should be. I don't know if I've run across very many... I haven't run across any Christmas episodes that we haven't covered, or Christmas issues that we haven't covered yet. Mm-hmm. But I am genuinely thrilled that I was able to get to the point in the books that I'm at at this time of year. I just wish the weather was cooperating a little bit more. It's really snowy today. It's tough for Jerry getting over here. It was dicey. I'd like to get, I'd like to get Blizzard in for the next few weeks so I can plug in the old tree, crank up the fireplace, heavy mull some cider. Yeah. Throw an X-Men blanket over me, a Wolverine foot of pajamas. That's what it's all about, man. Read some X-Men. Got good football on TV right now, some good X-Men, it's cold outside. Yeah. Get under a blanket, just don't move for two days. That's my weekend now. I wish. Right. December is so busy. So busy. We had Chloe's birthday party yesterday. I mean, it's just like every day is planned. Yeah. I just... I miss being a kid where you just, you don't have to account for time. I know. You just go disappear in the basement for hours and read comic books and nobody bothers you because you're not bothering them. Kid's not asking me for anything. I'm going to relax. Right. You're like a hero then. But now, everybody wants something. Just leave me alone. Yeah. Whatever. You gotta have some time. I gotta have a night to myself so I can pull all the toys down off the shelves and have them attack my Christmas tree like yeah. it's a giant sentinel. <laughs> it's gonna it's happen. lit up like a giant sentinel. It is. It's looking beautiful. No doubt. Yeah, nobody cares about us. Whatever. I think you did something wrong. I think if I posted the picture, everybody would be talking about it. He probably had it. Dickheads probably don't even realize that it's like, oh, it's the third Christmas special. They probably don't even realize that we had two. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. You're going to have to edit this thing, and you're going to hate it all over again. I'm not going to edit anything. <laughs> I decided... I'm going to edit out that stuff in the middle. Maybe. Hopefully I'll remember. That'll be it. All right. Whatever. You want to talk about anything else? It's weird. There's... I mean... Everything. Yeah. Yeah. But in a weird way, it's like I'd just be repeating the same thing over and over again of like... I really can't express how enjoyable <laughs> this actually is. And I really hope that there's at least one listener out there. If all we got was one that was like, I get as much out of this, you know? Uh-huh. That's all that fucking matters. I don't care about fucking Patreon dollars or Twitter retweets or fucking getting your blog re-tumbled or whatever. Yeah. I care about one other person being like, fucking A. I love that shit just as much. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that there are other people out there. I don't know, man. Like, especially now. Especially, like, with everything that's going on in the world, everywhere I fucking turn, it's somebody yelling at somebody. Yeah. 
Like, it's a constant barrage of, like, you're a fucking terrorist, no, you're a terrorist, no, you're a piece of shit, the whole fucking world's coming to an end, uh-huh. you know? And so, yeah, of course, I'm going to fucking bury my face in a bunch of books about a group of people that are striving to make the world a better place by being fucking open and accepting and fucking working for it, yeah. you know? Not just yeah. fucking... Could you imagine if the X-Men... This is, this is the X-Men. Like, this is this is what new Marvel X-Men is going to be. Extraordinary X-Men is going to turn into this. They're going to be like, you know, let's pump the brakes on uh, going out there and doing shit. Let's just get on Facebook. Let's all of us sign up on Facebook, and we'll just <laughs> yell at each other. Hey, fuck you, Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you get shit done. Toad's poking the blob the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Want to start the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants up again? Uh, sounds great. The X-Men got out there and did shit. Sam Guthrie's out there doing shit. That's right. So awesome. I'm excited about reading Generation X. I'm excited about reading New X-Men. Like, my appreciation for the... And I'm really interested because when I was a kid, I always said that Generation X was my New Mutants. Uh But now I love the New Mutants so much that I'm like... I'm going to look at Generation X from a different point of view. I still think I'm going to enjoy that one as much. At least the first 25 issues are solid. But I'm yeah. going to read it. I'm sticking with this. Come yeah. hell or high water, man, I am fucking finishing this. There have been a couple times. Chuck Austin. Oh, no, there have been, dude, there have been a couple times <laughs> where I'm like, I'm going to skip this one. Then I'm like, no. No. And I'm like glad that I'm... I'm glad that we can occasionally get together and, and hopefully continue to do this. Even if we just do, you know, one year, you know, mm-hmm. every now and then I'm going to check in. We might want to, we might want to do one after the apocalypse movie. Yeah, maybe. Um, cause it's keeping me honest in it. Plus I'm spending all this fucking money on this shit. <laughs> I got, I, you know what hit me last night as I was putting those Blaze comics away? I was like, I put these in fucking Mylar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got Blaze Comics. <laughs> you should roll them and smoke them. Instead. I should. You should. Tell you what, rolling them and smoking them made Legion War way cooler. <laughs> Kidding, kids. <laughs> yeah. Legion War. I'm super, or I'm I'm super excited to reread Age of Apocalypse because I know that when we did the Stegman episode, that you were kind of you'd gone through it, and it was your Vietnam. Like you were like, oh, because you were powering through it because you were like Stegman's gonna come really prepared. I gotta be ready. Like you yeah. were, you were in the trenches, man. <laughs> And yeah. I was like, that Stegman guy doesn't seem real reliable. Well, you were right, I was wrong. <laughs> but, I'm interested in it because I liked when I initially read it. Obviously, there was the cool wow factor of initially reading it as uh-huh. it was coming out. When I reread it a few years, eight, ten years ago, got the flu and I like reread it over a weekend or something and it was great because I read it obviously as it's supposed to be read uh-huh. um, and I liked how tight 
It was. Yeah. Very much felt like, the, like you could definitely tell that they planned it. It's very planned. Uh-huh. Um, but the thing I'm excited for now is going to be the tiny things, like little things. Name drops. No, 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 name drops. <laughs> and that type of crap. Uh-huh. Is really going to be the part that I think I'm going to enjoy the most. Like when a when a Charlotte Jones shows up in the Age of Apocalypse universe, like it's going to be, you know, like a big thing. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot of callbacks and stuff to characters that I think will make that even more exciting. Sweet. Yeah. I I maintain that I did not hate it, all of it. Some of it I didn't no, think dude, was but very try, good, but trying I really to power through it. it, like in that first, you know, yeah, it's tough. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it was very amazing. of the time, and yeah, you know, I, I, they get credit for me for for pulling that off, and uh, that's my one regret with the '90s that I wasn't reading comics was that I missed out on that. Yeah. It's pretty much the only thing. I think. Yeah. I don't know. There's, I'm sure there were other cool things that happened, but that's the big one. Meh. Yeah. Missed out on Spawn. Um, Over the summer, we went to my buddy Chris, the kid who I got an axeman with that I've talked about on previous episodes before. We went to his family's cabin up north. That's where I actually read that kitty story where she was in the boarding school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he stayed up there a few extra days with his parents when we came home to go back to work. And before he headed back to the military, he stopped by here and he stayed for about a week. Mm-hmm. And he just put a slept in the other room that we have, we have a spare bedroom. And then he would come in here during the day, and I had a stack of things that I wanted him to read because he can't keep up, you know. Uh-huh. So I sat him down with the... He really liked Kyle and Yost X-Force. Oh, cool. So I sat him down with the uh, Rick Remender, Jerome Pena, Uncanny X-Force oh. Omnibus. Yeah. And man, I'd come home from work and I'd whip open the door and I'd be like, where are you? And he'd be like, I'm here! And I'd be like, oh my god! And then we'd start talking about this. But when he finished it, like I was like, so overall, like what did you think? And he was like, I liked Kyle and Yost better. And I was like, you gotta go. (laughs) Huh. He was like, I was like, well what about Opinia's art? I'm like, Opinia's art is fucking fantastic. And he was like, it wasn't as stylized as I liked. And what I was the like, fuck? I was like, you shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> and I felt like you talking to me. Like I was like, I am gonna pummel your ass, dude. I am gonna fucking punch you through a wall. I don't care how many ways you know how to kill style- a man. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, not stylized enough. Oh. And it was one of those moments where I was like, clearly, there is a time period that is for everyone. Uh, other day, while I was actively avoiding work, uh, there was like a thread in the CBR forums and the X-Men thing that was like, name your top favorite X-Men writers of all time. And I was like, there's only been one! <laughs> <laughs> Bendis, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
And they were like, it can be any title, X-Factor, blah, blah, blah. And there were people, I shit you not, there were people that had Chuck Austin in their fucking top ten. There were people that didn't have Chris Claremont in the top two. Like, I understood if there were people like me that grew up with the Dell stuff, because he wasn't... I love him to death. He was not as good as Claremont. Mm-hmm. Okay? But he had a lot of the quiet, powerful, emotional issues in his tenure. Uh-huh. So I get why people like him. You know, he was good at making it a family. If you started watching the comics, or if you started reading the comics because you started watching the cartoon, there's a good chance that Lobdell's going to be in your top three at least. Uh-huh. Okay? You know? But, I mean, there were people... There were people that were writing down people who maybe had, like, 20 issues under their belt, under some... T- which, I mean, I yeah. guess I get, but I was just... It, I was not... It was not like I was like, you're a dummy. I was more just like, there's clearly something out there that is everyone's favorite. And if there's anything that I've really taken from this experience more so than I did before, it's like understanding your love of Rachel. You know, Uh like, like genuinely feeling like when I was like, oh, forget Rachel, they did this during the Days of Future Past movie, like, I feel really bad that I said that to you because, like, <laughs> I get having a certain attachment to particular characters, you know? Yeah. I fucking, well, I'll murder somebody on the internet that goes after Rain Sinclair. You should. You should. You should murder somebody. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, the whole Rachel thing, I guess. I mean, the cinematic universe is so different that. Whatever, I guess they can do what they want, but um, they've had space to bring other people in, so I guess I just wished they could have brought her in. Yeah. Because she was my point of view character as a new reader. So, I don't know. She's a little bit of a whiny bitch, but whatever. <laughs> I love her anyway. Yeah. Gingers unite, man. Yeah. We gotta stick together. I'm a whiny bitch too sometimes, whatever. It's alright. It happens. Sometimes I don't have my Snickers. Sometimes you don't. Well, crap, man. I don't know what to say. Um, I'll say that I miss having an excuse to interact with people about the podcast. But uh, most of the people that we interacted with a lot, we still hear from about other stuff, so that's fine. Yeah. It's good. I appreciate that I'm still in people's lives that way. And, um, it's good that, uh, I had an event like C2E2 not long after we stopped doing the show, because I got to see a lot of our friends that listen to the show in person and hang out with them and get some quality time. They all blame me. It kind of... (laughs) I guess so. Everybody knew it would be you. Yeah, I know. Uh, it w- wait, it was you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just leave it mysterious what happened. All I know is I kept on reading the books and you didn't, so clearly <laughs> it's got to be your fault. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I can't lie. I stopped. 
<sighs> Stuff happens in life, though. What can I say? You were going to stop when it got to the 90s anyways. There was no way you were... I'm a fucking yeah. glutton for punishment, bro. I'm going to reread the Chuck Austin stuff. Like, I'm aware from what I'm about to put myself through. But I think this is the thing. At the end of the tunnel, I'm going to... Uh, it's made me, like... I think the stuff that I, like... Well, I don't know. Cause it, basically, this room is going to stay exactly how it is. But it's made me look at other comic books that I have... Mm-hmm. Collected differently. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff down in the other comic book room in the basement where I'm like, I could probably get rid of large chunks of that because this is truly where my heart lies. Because Ashley one day was like, "What are you gonna do after? Like when you've <laughs> reread it all, like what's the the plan?" And I was like, "Start over." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to start over. Uh-huh. And, but this time I'm going to go back to number one. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. There were a couple time periods where I was like, it could end here and I'd be perfectly fine. Isn't it cool to think that, that there's just this sweet little arc of X-Men that was done by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby? Like, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and nobody, not nobody, um, people our age and younger don't, that's not in their heads that that's the X-Men. Yeah. But really, that's the X-Men. It, yeah, I wish we could have started there. We probably should have. No. No? No. I think that we started right where we needed to, because I think the... The the basis for the book was always there. Like, the body was there. But I truly, no disrespect to anyone who came before, but I do feel like Len Wein, Dave Cockrum, Chris Claremont, John Byrne gave it the heart that it needed. Mm-hmm. Boy, I think the... Kirk Busiek would punch you in the face right now. I think that the, the Lee and Kirby and the Roy Thomas and Werner Roth and all that, Neil Adams, all that stuff is great and fun, the Steranko stuff, like I really like those issues and it probably would have been great to start there, mm-hmm. you know, but I think we got the most family aspect of it, which wound up truly becoming the thing that was most important to me about the podcast. I don't know. I mean... Think about it. Like, it's always been about that. Podcast, like, whether or not we had a billion fucking listeners or ten, there's going to be a cool little time capsule where you've got Finn and Chloe guesting on it. Yeah. Talking about stuff, you uh-huh. know? Cry for the moon. Oh, cry for the moon. I can't wait to stick that on the end of this thing. You know? It made me feel better. There were a lot of years where I was like reading this book because I felt alone. And then when we got to talk about this book, like I was like, there are other people out there. There's Allens in New York that are just like us. There are, you know, Stu and fucking wherever the fuck he's from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
right? Uh, yeah. There are people yeah. in other countries that were listening to our stupid little podcast who care just as much about the X-Men. Uh-huh. That's big. Yeah. Yeah. I like those guys. Me too. And girls, maybe. But we don't really hear from them too much. Wendy is the only girl we hear just from. Just Wendy. Yeah. Chris and Washington. Yeah. Oh, man. Andrew Shaw from Australia doesn't listen. <laughs> Chris we, ain't, we ain't talking about Moon Knight. Oh, man. the clock. We can start the clock now when L.A. Rabbit's going to start blowing us up on Twitter for mm-hmm. whatever we said. Oh, that's about to happen. Part of me misses it. <laughs> Part of me doesn't. Yeah. Whirlwind Kevin. Yeah. It's coming. Hopefully he'll be glad to hear from us. We gotta get you on a Marvel Noise episode. Talk about the X-Men. Yeah. They don't go there. They never go there. Uh, they should go too there. too bad they should. We've clearly left a vacuum that people need filled. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that need filling. True. Oh, man. Well, I don't know. Maybe we should just um, go unwrap some presents and leave people with some cheery Christmas music. Yeah. And I hope everybody has a good Christmas, and I hope everybody and a happy holidays and a good new year. And I hope everybody can curl up around the fireplace with some sweet X-Men books. Yeah. There's so much good stuff on um, Marvel Unlimited if you haven't tried it out yet and you want to explore the older Marvel Universe. So much good stuff there. Yeah. What a great present it makes for your friends. Or for you. Yeah. You know what makes an even better present? This. You can enjoy some eggnog and wrap some presents. Yeah. While you listen to the third annual Great Expectations Christmas podcast. (laughs) Good times. It's not too late. We could still go back and do a whole script of some crazy event. Yeah. Just blow this whole thing up. I'm I'm just disappointed that you haven't creeped out on enough comic book characters. We don't have enough. The thing (laughs) is, is we're just talking. We don't have enough comic panels in front of us. Yeah. I'm certain if I had some, if I dropped some artwork on here, Jared'd be like, "That's nice." Yeah, I'm getting a boner from that. Right? Yeah, that's all I needed. That that's the way to wrap it up. <laughs> a good old Christmas boner. Yep. Oh God. Jerry's like turgid at Christmas. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can I say I love art? You just, do. You're sneaking more and more art up on your walls. Got that sweet Andy Hubert from you over there. There's a lot of Art Adams stuff going on here. Art Adams. Um. Made man. Ed McGinnis. Yes. Hildebrandt Brothers. Jim Lee, of Got course. Got Steve Scrocy, or Scroach, or however you say that. Sketch Gambit. It's tight. It is. It's tight. Number 666, Sign of the Beast. (laughs) Got a Ron Garney original art page from Legion Quest. Yes, you do. Xavier and Magneto drinking shots of vodka. 
Page uh, one splash. Page one splash of Legion Quest, which I would have read in 1994 at this time period. Xavier's in his best Panama Jack. He is. That motherfucker. That's a sweet page. It is a sweet page. You get in a bar fight after this. <laughs> of course they do. It's an X-Men book. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, this room always makes me feel better. And right next to it is a frame picture of you and Chris Claremont. The same picture that's on your fridge. Yep. Above it is a picture of me and Stanley. You're right. Yeah. Still never met that man. I, uh, I'm gonna take down some of the pictures that are up there. And I'm gonna, uh, cause I don't think they're necessarily all writers that deserve a spot in the X-Men room. <laughs> and I got a, uh, I got a really nice picture of Chris and I when we were up at his cabin, like in the area that we used to play with our Christmas, or with our X-Men toys. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hang that up in here, and then I want to get a picture of you and I. Ooh. Hang it up here, you're going to put in the, put in the Hall of Fame, buddy. Yeah, the Wall of Shame. Yeah, I had a Facebook memory the other day that was like, I've been Facebook friends for this long with Jerry, and I was like, Oh, Jerry. It's probably not as long as you would think either, I'll bet. It probably wasn't. We, it we, just we, feels like an eternity. Because <laughs> of all the crap I've put you through. Because of all the editing you've had to do. No edits! No edits! We were saying goodbye. I'm going to cut all this out. We were. Don't cut all of it out. There's yeah. some good stuff in there. <laughs> this is how okay. we say goodbye. This is how we say goodbye. So until next time... Question mark. Have a very happy thanks Merry Thanksgiving. Merry Thanksgiving. Merry Thanksgiving. I was gonna say a Merry yeah. Christmas or Happy Christmas for our British friends. Yeah. And um wonderful holiday season. And we love all of you and we're glad that you listen. When we should And we hope this is um a treat that this just happened for you. We hope you're not like ah crap. We hope you listened because you want to, not like you felt you owed it to us. Yeah. <laughs> because you don't owe it to us. But we appreciate you if you made it this far. And we appreciate you even more if you make it to Cry for the Moon. Oh, yeah. yeah Those you def- are our real fans. You sometimes have to stay past the music for the stinger. I'm sure we might get a surprise guest or something. Yes. I, I don't want to say who yet. But we've got something special. <laughs> Maybe not that special. Batman? What'd you say? (laughs) Alright, everybody. I guess that's it for episode 55. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For the third annual Great Expectations podcast, we wish you a Merry Christmas and to all a good night. To all. Good night. Goodbye. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We won't go 
until we get some. We won't go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. We wish you a merry Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas. This episode has been brought to you by Cry for the Moon Productions. Cry for the Moon!